Welcome to the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 Podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Stephen McNally, and we are your home for F1 racing this side of the pond. On today's show, we preview the Dutch Grand Prix. And as always, we'll have our bold predictions for said Grand Prix, although you know what we'll probably have to avoid doing. And for that reason, I'm banning Ryan from reverse jinx predicting a max win. I'm telling you, Steve, it's still going to work out for you. Anyhow, that and will we see a return to hammer time in the second half of the season? But first, we'll uh, start with our preview of the race. Namely, uh, we're trying to figure out how many times we'll have to suffer through the Dutch National Anthem this weekend. Oh, man. Please, please despair us all. Uh, <laughs> you know, look, it's bad enough that, you know, Max is winning every race. Now he gets to have the opportunity to do it at home in his home race. Um, so let's let's just pray that it's somebody, the field, the you know, maybe that's what my my one will be this week, Steve. My my pick, I pick the field versus Max. That's just and we'll and we'll see if I get that one off. I, I feel like th- this is the only sport, at, at you know, this season, this sport is the only time where picking the field isn't the way to go. Uh, the, the odds just seem to be in your favor wherever else you're looking, but 19 versus 1 is not smart math. I would really like to see if there are any books out there taking bets like that, and I would love to see what the odds are being given. Um, because I I would not be shocked if the odds weren't as favorable as you think it were, right? It's just, at this point, track record-wise... Uh, he's won most of them and uh, you know if you're picking someone else to beat him like the only team the only person who's beaten him has been someone in a similar car but without the consistency so it's like you know uh, his one challenger is inconsistent you know yep I mean he he's on eight straight right now and you know within that eight straight he also has five pole positions, five fastest laps. He's also won two sprint races within those eight races. So really he's had the top step 10 out of the last 10 possible chances. And it's not like in football where, well, they're facing a different defense this week and, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes has got a different look. He's going to be facing, uh, you know, zone blitzes this week. No, it's the same 19 guys he's facing against all year. So, Sort of. Danny's so, new, but it's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, this is his true home race. Last week was kind of a quasi-home race for him as he's half Belgium born in uh, Belgium, but Dutch nationality. And so th- this is our first opportunity this year that we'll probably see someone take home their home race. Uh None of the Brits were able to pull it off in Silverstone, and uh, obviously Lance wasn't interested in winning a race in Canada. Uh, no Spaniards in Spain. And, uh, you know, we'll just have a couple more opportunities left between Japan. Yuki's got a shot, you would think, to <laughs> at least get a point. Uh, Checo and Mexico. Logan's got two more chances, as long as he keeps his race seat. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's hard to look at this weekend as anything else than an orange tinge victory lap for Max. Would you call 
uh, Coda, a sort of home win for Danny if he managed to pull it off because he loves being there so much. Well, just like, you know, Valtteri's kind of turned into the honorary Australian on the grid, even though there's two <laughs> actual Australians now. Uh, I would have to assume that Danny winning in Texas is probably the next best thing. Okay. I just... I'm just looking for other options to root for this year because I'm not rooting for this one. And um, and again, it's nothing against Max at this point. He has my full respect. Uh, you know, at this point, it is what it is. But it's like, I just want to see somebody else win. Um, and, you know, that's... You know, it just seems less and less likely as the season goes on. I'm hoping this break... Uh, one of the teams that's shown a little promise with some of their upgrades finds a little bit more. Um, but that's the problem is that so is Red Bull. Red Bull's going to be able, they're still, they're still tweaking. It's not like they're <laughs> stopped, you know. Are, are um, we, are we talking about McLaren? What? As about as, the, about the team who's riding high in some current upgrades and maybe have a, well, no, I chance. mean, but even, even I think Mercedes found a little pace with theirs. And I mean, like, so yeah, more, more than anything is McLaren than anything else, because they seem to have found some speed and a, definitely a night and day change, if you will. Uh, but Mercedes has also found a little bit of pace with some of their changes and they're a little bit more consistently up there. You know, it seems like they're able to compete for podiums now uh, than prior than the season. Right. I, I mean, so, you know, looking at the track this week, it's not a straightforward track um, with a lot of long straights. There's really only two DRS zones. One of them's pretty small, and then you have the front straight. A lot of consistently being on the wheel, making turns. Kind of like Hungary, where the turns just keep coming. And that track obviously suited Lewis pretty well as he got a, a pole position. Suited Lando pretty well. He finished second. Uh, I think Oscar, you know, also had a strong race in the McLaren. So if we can kind of purse out that there's some similarities in this track from where the other teams, you know, responded pretty well, I think there, there's a handful of teams that are really in the mix for strong results. And, you know, we have to kind of see if there's going to be a reemergence of what Aston Martin's been able to do. Because, you know, uh, Fernando, while, you know, having an absolutely electric start to the season, hasn't been on the podium now in over two months. I mean, we haven't raced for three weeks, but, you know, uh, Canadian Grand Prix was the last time he was on the podium. He's gone four races without cracking into the top four. So Aston Martin came out and said they might have went a little bit in the wrong direction with their upgrades. Uh, took it down a little bit of a wrong path for the uh, you know kind of aero design of the car. So they might be coming back in a different direction. And this this uh, is a high downforce track. It'll tell a lot to see if they've kind of uh, reset things in the right direction. Uh, but again, we'll have to base that off on how Fernando does and not Lance. Right, and, you know, looking at this track last year, Fernando was 6th in an Alpine, and Lance was 10th in the Aston Martin. Um, so, you know, uh, 
different races, different cars, you know, and some ways different drivers. But uh, it seems to be, you know, that Alpine was an interesting car last year. Fernando still seemed to get it into the sixth uh, on this track. Uh, it seems like he might be better suited if he has a little bit more go in this Aston Martin. So maybe he will see a return to form, but that may only buy him a few spots. I have a few other people I think that might be better than him at this track in my predictions, but the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm game for anybody. There's a few people out there who are supposedly good enough with the talent and the pedigree. And if the car's just dialed in and a little bit of luck that can actually get the first win that is not a Red Bull this year and stop Max's streak. And Fernando is one of them. So I will cheer for him all the same. Yeah. So, uh, going back to, to last year, remember that it was kind of a, you know, funky race. Max obviously, you know, won and, you know, started from pole and looked very strong, but it, it was a really strong race for the Mercedes team. Lewis really had a shot to win the race. They had a good strategy for him early on. Problem was when he uh, initially pitted and came out, he, um, it, it wasn't his pit issue. Because he was tracking down Checo, eventually got past Checo after a couple laps of battling. But as soon as he got past Checo, he got stuck behind Sebastian Vettel coming out of the pits. And Seb immediately didn't get out of the way, held him up for a you know couple of corners at the beginning of the lap, right when he was trying to you know get some distance and clear air. Ultimately, cost him from moving up again. Then you had the I don't know. One of the weirdest moments I've seen with Alpha Tower and Yuki Tsunoda, where, you know, he came in, there was something wrong with the car. He had, like, stopped on track. They sent him back out. And then he stopped on the track to get the, you know, virtual safety car to come out. Everyone was like, oh, this is Red Bull doing it on purpose, sending out the sister team's car to just stop on the track. So, you know, Max can get his, um, you know, essentially a free pit stop under the safety car. And Lewis ultimately ended up finishing fourth and really like watching the race. It was like, ah, I felt like it was there for him. Uh, so, you know, last year we had a, a Red Bull Mercedes Ferrari podium and, you know, a handful of drivers looked like they, you know, were in the mix. So hopefully uh, we kind of have the same scenario this year. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting. Again, it's always weird coming off these breaks. You don't know who finds a little bit more. You don't know who's regener- uh, rejuvenated. Um, you don't know if uh, a little rust shows. It, it's it's hard to see until they get in the cars and they drive around a little bit. Um, but it's uh, interesting. And again, like, you know, we didn't see any silly season action over the three weeks. So there's no, like, tightness and oddity around the, the paddock uh, for the most part. Uh, unless you consider... Uh, Lance considering a switch to tennis as odd enough and uh, Max potentially getting in trouble for his driving habits. Uh, you know, for the most part, it's a pretty benign uh, summer break. So, Right. Aside from Haas re-signing their driver's lineup, uh, K-Mag and Nico Hulkenberg re-signed for next year. I, I think Nico's ultimately a, a good signing because he's been the stronger driver. He's Definitely had the one lap pace, gotten into Q3 a handful of times. I just don't think they have a good enough car on race day. It, they suffer from the same type of issues that their 
uh, engine supplier partner Ferrari suffer from, which is, you know, poor tire wear on race day and a little bit of, you know, rear end stability, instability and unpredictability in the car. So while Nico can start within the top 10, after 15, 20 laps, he's kind of faded back into the bottom half of the midfield and ultimately has only picked up points once on Sunday and once in a sprint race on Saturday. K-Mag, on the other hand, has been consistently beat by his teammate. And while, you know, certainly a strong driver on a good day, I kind of question whether or not you know, he, he should still be in one of the top 20 seats in racing. Uh, he, had, he had a good comeback year last year. Uh, Haas got off to a hot start with really kind of nailing the new regulations of the car and, you know, kind of bailed out the team after they had to drop Nikita Mazepin. But uh, he, he really hasn't shown much of anything this year. And this is the thing for me where... Haas is crippled by the bad decisions they've made in the past and are also continued to be crippled by their memory of bad decisions of the past. So they decided to go young, right? And they went with Mick and Nikita, right? And that didn't work. They cut bait on Mick. And they had to cut Nikita because of what was going on uh, with him uh, for a few things and, and with, with the Russia situation. So they go back to their veterans and now they double down on their veterans. And it just feels like neither is a good strategy. Uh, the rookies are at least worth investing in, I think, uh, giving a shot. Even if they pick the wrong rookies, find new rookies or at least one rookie. But going with two veterans who have never really shown much it's not like either one of them is going to win a championship or is incredibly promising at this point in their careers. Um, why, why continue to stay on this, you know, this treadmill for one more year? Yeah. And I, I said, you know, is it, you know, that, uh, you know, K Mag provides a, a positive cash flow in the situation. I, you know, that, that could be ultimately the decider. I think we all understand that Mick was, Dropped not just because he wasn't getting the points that the team was hoping for, but he was wrecking cars at a rate that, you know, uh, Demolition Derby fans would blush at. And they're expensive cars to crash. So I think, you know, Mick Mick had to be let go just because of the, the, the bill was a little bit too high when he got behind the wheel. K-Mag while not ultimately keeping his nose clean a lot of the time, you know, replacing wings is a lot cheaper than having to put together two halves of a car. So maybe they just feel like while he might not have as much pace as what a junior would have, he's got a better chance of keeping the car in one piece. Yeah. That's the the thing for me. It's like, you're making financial decisions. You're not necessarily making competitive decisions. And you're like, okay, uh, tell me you're a poor team by (laughs) picking a guy who's not going to have you, you know, replace stuff. And I understand Mick was doing stuff at a rate where it's like, uh, 
you know, we're going to have to turn return the puppy to the pound because we can't afford to keep him. But it's gone it, through too many couches. <laughs> yeah, he's gone through too many couches. I'm only willing to buy one, maybe two. In uh, this one, I just, yeah, he goes, well, at least he didn't crash the car is not a fucking winning strategy. Sorry, I shouldn't curse for such an instance like this. <laughs> but, like, it's just, like, it's not a strategy. No, it shouldn't uh, be the least... top line of your CV. Like, oh, how are you at racing? Like, well, I don't wreck a lot. Yeah. Well, so, did, you, did you win anything? Yeah. No, and, but I brought like, it I home. I can see, yeah, if they were competitive for points on a regular basis, that's fine. If they were in the middle the middle class and competitive in the middle class of um, the F1 uh, Constructors Championship. But it's not. I mean, and I, I I look at the other teams that are around them going forward uh, with either potential changes or maintaining, and I just don't feel like Haas is making a move that's going to keep, that's going to kind of be a, a step forward by not moving, you know? Yeah, I and, you know, I... Obviously, uh, Gene Haas, the owner, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, American owner, American team. It's nice to have one in F1, but I I feel like he's not truly invested outside of the money. Uh, as long as, you know, the balance sheet is positive, I think it's really all he cares about. He, I think... He might just be holding off until a time that he can optimize the sale of the team. And I think he just sees Formula One growing. He sees the opportunity that if they bring in more teams, these teams are going to have to pay a couple hundred million dollars to come in. That gets split between all the existing teams. I think he's trying to maximize his payout when he ultimately exits. And what disturbs the water the least makes the least amount of waves is re-signing the team he has now because uh, honestly in in the position where you don't have anything to lose like they are you know you have to take a risk there's young drivers out there who who want a shot you know max got the chance to drive when he was you know he tested at 16 got a drive at 17 uh you know there's other young drivers like People will get excited if you go after a young talent. Nobody's going to go buy more Haas merch or, or pull up to the track for mid-30s Nico Hulkenberg and Kevin Magnuson who have one podium between them. Uh, so I, I, I feel like they can move in a different direction. And uh, when I get my team up and going, I'll be sure to get young hot shot drivers in there. Right after this Powerball uh, gets up to a decent amount of money again, we'll hit it. But for my Ryan's American Sports Analogy of the Week, still waiting for a sponsor. Um, The the thing here is Haas, to your analogy there, is much like Jeffrey Loria, former owner of the Miami Marlins, um, someone who ran his team like a small market team because they acted like a small market team, and fielded a bare minimum team for many years to essentially make a profit off of running a baseball team that wasn't very successful which feels like what maybe Gene Haas is doing or maybe he actually you know he he read his book much like Patton read Rommel's book he read his book and maybe he's that's what he's doing here yeah he's he's also Dan Snydering it a little bit except Dan Snyder actually loved Washington 
like like loved the team. Terrible at his job. Terrible at the decision making. Did terrible things. But at least he really loved it. Yeah, I I don't doubt Gene Haas loves racing. I just don't know how much he cares about Formula One racing. So. I, I I don't know. I I feel like. I, I don't feel the love like he's he's never you know at the races he's always kind of just on the phone finding out what's happening it's like it's you know d- d- divorced yeah. dad divorced dad checking in on the kids see how they're doing but oh uh, no Timmy of, I can't take you to the game this week yeah it's one of my favorite times uh, on uh, Drive to Survive it's when are we gonna hear Gene go off uh, you know uh, uh, this season right so yeah I I. Maybe the closest proximity is not Loria with the Marlins, but Loria with the Expos. You know, just yeah, like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in. You know, I'm gonna put my money, in, but I'm just gonna kind of do the absolute bare minimum until I find someone to take this off of me for five times what I paid for it. Yeah, um, and then you know they they what happens with the Expos? They they disappear. And, uh, you know, they become the Washington Nationals. So I look forward to uh, whoever uh, purchases the Haas team, um, uh, the new owners becoming competitive in a new place. But it's an interesting move in how uninteresting it is. Right. You know, it's just uh, in a sport with so few slots and so many people waiting in the wings for a chance. um, Champing at the bit. Yeah, I mean, and with the potential, the next potential Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen or Lando Norris waiting, right? Surely there is another young driver waiting in the wings of this next crop, one of the next champions of this sport sometime in the future, and you're not willing to take a stab at it next year when you've been middling. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely undeniable that a future champion of Formula One isn't in Formula One right now. And is just waiting on the opportunity. And, you know, someone's going to have to eventually find that talent and take the chance. But you could be the first one to do it. But uh, speaking of champions and speaking of people possibly rejuvenated from the summer break, uh, we need to talk about Lewis Hamilton. uh, Because Lewis has showed up to the Netherlands this week. uh, Seemingly a man on the mission as he's got his eyes set on finishing second this season in the Drivers' Championship. I think he kind of understands that it's un- unrealistic for anybody to challenge Max at this point, but he really feels like the direction of the team and uh, a belief in his own ability that he can leapfrog two places, catch Sergio and pass Sergio Perez in the next 10 races and ultimately, ultimately finish second. What do you think, Ryan? I think he has a chance. It's just very hard. I think he has a really good shot of cementing third. Um, He can make a run at second. It's just... He needs Checo to really have a couple of bad races, and he needs to be consistently good. I think we did this math a little bit, that he pretty much needs to podium the rest of the season to to try to make that ground up. Um, And you're going to probably need... It, it's a lot. It's a way more helpful if he gets one of those days when uh, Checo doesn't point, right? Right. So, which only happened once, right? 
as, as inconsistent as Checo has been this season, it's just he hasn't had high-level performance. It's not like he's just, you know, been, been in it and been at the back of the, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a Ferrari inconsistency. Win one, you know, one for you and one for the wall. One for you and one for the wall. So No, his, um, his inconsistency has been on Saturday, but his car is so good that on Sunday – He's making up the places and, you know, looking purely at the numbers. It's like, oh, this is a respectable run of results. Like, oh, he finished third, sixth, third, second. Like, all right, that's not terrible. But he should be starting no lower than fourth and finishing at the very least second. So that and- that's, that's what Lewis is up against, is someone who in that car will be good enough to win every week or you know it's it's a winning race car that's why i think lewis has to at least podium from here on out just because of the potential of the red bull car right and you know for a car that should be consistently the number two car on the track the amount of cars passed by checo this year compared to the other people in the field is rather remarkable considering that the other teams do need to pass people to make way their way through and Checo shouldn't have to. Right. So I mean, yeah, he leads and overtakes, but as the fastest car on the grid, like that's not the stat you should have. <laughs> right. He goes, You're you're qualifying poorly and you're faster than everybody else, so of course it's easy to overtake. Uh, Max isn't going to lead in that category because there's no one to overtake. He's in front all the time, right? Uh, there's a level... There's Sometimes there's interesting stats like that. You look at some of the drivers, you're like, hmm, that's impressive. And other times you look at a stat and you're like, that's very revealing. And that's a very revealing stat. Um, for Lewis, for me, I... Look, I always root for Lewis and I'm hoping that he uh, has some refound want to here and he can even dial up the magic once for me um i do think we see a return for hammer time i just don't know what hammer time looks like this season (laughs) uh is hammer time you know uh making max sweat a little bit as he chases him down uh but doesn't have a chance at him or is it actually winning a race i i think you know my expectation is definitely on saturday he's gonna be on it uh, I think, you know, he, he got a poll two races ago. There's a couple a couple that's not even a word, a couple, I'll try that one more time, a couple of favorable tracks for Mercedes still to come. I think uh, this weekend would be one. Japan, uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil for sure, I think uh, would be tracks really suitable for success for them. And I think the issues are going to be executing on Sunday between the strategy calls have been a little bit over the place for Mercedes in two years, their ability to have a quick and clean pit stop is going to be essential. We've talked about it to death, but if, if he's going to beat Max or beat Checo, he needs every second available that includes the two and a half they give up every time he changes tires. Uh, he's just the one point behind Alonzo, and he's been the better driver over the past two months. 41 points behind Checo is a tall order. Uh, he's got to get you know five points a race on him. 
So that means he's got to finish two places ahead of him when you think about it. Because he's not finishing first. So if he finishes second, you know, if Checo's finishing in third, even over 10 races, he's not erasing that gap. He's got to finish second, and then Checo's got to finish fourth. Um, and that's that's just looking at who's in front of him. Obviously, we've seen McLaren pick it up. Uh, both drivers look like podium contenders. Now, you know, Norris has two second-place finishes over the last three races. Uh, Oscar doesn't, but Oscar's looked every bit as capable of getting one. Uh, obviously... Aston Martin still has the chance to turn it back up like they did the first half of the season. And Ferrari has still their home race coming up, which they're always strong at. Uh, Charles is always a podium threat and always a threat for pole. He just got pole in Belgium the last time we went out racing. So Lewis has a lot of competition for the few points available after Max. I'd like nothing more to see him have like an unbelievable charge in the second half of the season and get second place. I just think the Red Bull car having a 41-point lead, I don't think Lewis does it. But I will eat all of the crow if he does. Two things. One, I think Lewis, of all the people you just said, is probably in the best car that is the most consistent. So not necessarily the best car, but in the best car that is the most consistent as a driver and so that's his upper hand at this point if anybody else finds the consistency in one of those other cars that have had some good performance then definitely lewis has some trouble um consistently the other is i wonder what the ramifications would be if lewis were to catch checo for checo if Checo is going, if Checo spends the rest of the season essentially giving away the second place um, position in the drivers, that's going to be very interesting come evaluation time at the end of the season, in my opinion. Nothing's going to impact the constructors' championship. I think if he were to cost him that, he would definitely be on the chopping block or at least be considered. But I'm very curious if he were to magically slide to third. Or if he just had bad performance and Lewis just hammer-timed it down, would that put Checo in the the you know the firing line? Yeah, I mean we, we've certainly talked about all sorts of permutations if Checo falls out of favor with the team, and he's definitely in the last two races. Uh, done what what they kind of expect him to do he finished third and second his qualifying was a little bit better uh you know he's not setting the world on fire but he's doing his job as the number two driver mm-hmm. uh, so i i think that's just where he needs to commit himself to to doing for the rest of the season but yeah if he, if he falls to i, I think it, it'll sting especially hard to red bull if it's a mercedes driver that does it i think if you know, Fernando's the one to beat out Checo. It's, you know, lessens the sting maybe a little bit than, you know, black Mercedes coming by and doing it. If Sergio can't hold on to that position in the most dominant car we've seen in, you know, 30 years of Formula One, 
Um, yeah. A- anything's on the table. I-, I mean, his signing to the team three years ago was as much as a surprise as it would be for them to drop him. It, cre- it would be an interesting storyline. I would love to watch this season play out. Not necessarily, I don't wish any ill for Checo, but it would inject some fun into the end of the season and some intrigue um, to, to see what that would do. Uh, definitely make Drive to Survive probably a lot more interesting <laughs> next year. Um, yeah, a, a, a battle for second doesn't make up for a battle for the championship, but at least it'll be a battle. Right. All right, so... Let's get to our predictions. What do we think is going to happen in this race? Well, um, I am looking forward to some of the other drivers out of other teams having some success this week, like you kind of alluded to. Uh, I think we'll have Lando Norris on pole. Okay. I, I think he's shown some good form. He just missed out on... You know, pole a couple times already this year. I think this will be a track suited well for them. Uh, I think he's going to be in the mix. I think he gets his second career pole. I think Lewis gets a podium. Not not going to commit to a position, but I think he's going to get a podium. Um, and I think we'll have a little bit of rust from some drivers after, after a long break getting back on the track. We'll have you know, some wet weather conditions and it's a pretty narrow tight track. I think we're going to have three DNFs for the first time since Australia, which is years ago at this point, but uh, that was the last time we had more than two cars retire. And I think we'll have three DNFs, Lewis podium, Lando pole, three DNFs. Okay. Um, I am banned from picking uh, Max and so in a reverse jinx. At least for this so, week. At unless least for we, this week. Unless that we see it works, then we'll just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna try to reverse reverse the jinx. Anyhow, I am going to say this might feel like it's hedging, but a British driver podiums. Okay. So that gives me three options. Te- technically four with Alex. I'm not going to count them, so you don't have to count them. That's fine. I have another one for Alex, by the way. Alex will get points this week. Okay. And my third one. I'm kind of between a few ones here. I'm going to say Lance doesn't point. So would that be love for Lance? Yes. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we'll see uh, if uh, it's like 40 love and like sit match point for him. <laughs> so uh, interesting with Alex, you said Alex getting points. You, you would think this might not be a strong track for Williams as they are downforce limited, but have extremely good straight line speed. Uh, so the first and second sector of the track are, are not going to be especially strong for them. But once you get to the banking at the end of the lap, you're flat out 
until turn one. And even the the DRS zone starts mid-corner at the end of the lap. So if he's able to qualify high enough, he's going to be unpassable for the cars behind him if he's in front. Like, no no one, even with DRS, I don't think the Williams flat out for that long in a straight line is going to be passable. So strong qualifying, you might get points. Uh, Lance... Uh, Lance is actually a, a little banged up. Do you know that there's two drivers this weekend with separate ear infections? They need to keep their fingers out of their ears, Steve. So <laughs> Charles had to drive 14 hours from Monaco to get to the race because he couldn't fly because his ear infection was so bad. And then Lance showed up with a bandaged ear because he picked up an infection somewhere. Um, if, I, if I had a dollar every time that one of these drivers had an ear infection... I mean, I'd only have two drivers, but it'd be weird that it happened twice. So both of them have kind of put the kibosh on the fact that it was going to interfere with, you know, either putting on their helmets and dealing with pain and with Charles being an inner ear infection said it wouldn't mess with his balance at all. So according to them, they should still be 100% good to go. But... Even when Lance has been healthy this year, he hasn't been on it. So any additional, uh, you know, any additional headwinds in his race this week is is really going to put him on the back foot because he only finished 10th and 9th in the last two races without having to be bandaged around the head. Yeah, so, I mean, for what you said, that's why I liked Williams as a nice little opportunity because I thought... The Williams would have an opportunity here to take advantage of some things on the track. And Alex has some good form lately. And Alex is obviously the choice between the two Williams. So I chose just Alex instead of a Williams. Um, And like for yours, I think it's a little bold to pick somebody particularly. But I don't think it's a bad pick. Um, I think the three DNFs are interesting. That's... That's the like we've tried to call these even with weather conditions, <laughs> and we've just been so like off. Uh, you know, it seems like the headwinds are there in like practice and and qualifying, and then nothing in the race. And it's just a track that usually has them doesn't have any. It's just just weird this year. So I feel like that's gambling, uh, uh, trying to pick DNFs. But if you get it, you know, uh, it's a point. Yeah, I mean, you know, in in 2021, there was three retirements. There was only, I think, two retirements last year. So I'm not set myself up for success here. I'm just going off of it's going to be a little bit slicker than they were here the last time. You know, the, the, the rain and the weather might play uh, a little bit of havoc, wreak a little bit of havoc, and coming off of almost a month of rest some younger drivers they might not handle the rust so well i don't know i, I think it would spice things up at least so i I'm, I'm hoping for you know obviously no one to be in any kind of danger but any more additional intrigue is welcome anytime yep so we shall see uh Definitely check us on the other side of the race to see if we were anywhere close to right. 
Uh, it's probably Max wins and all the other stuff goes to hell, but we'll hope for better. No, no, but no. Now, 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 now that you said Alex points and he, he's the only Williams, Logan's going to win this race. Well, I'll take it. It keeps him on the grid. I, I don't wish ill will towards our only American and our one of our, our home brethren from the, the county of Broward. But uh, as good as time as any is to end on Logan, it's the end of our show. It's the end of the pack uh, for drivers, Mr. Sergeant. Um, so for now, uh, we are the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Stephen McNally, and we'll catch you next time across the line.